The idea was to bring together people who are interested in data storytelling. So people from journalism, people from academia, designers, NGOs, people from government agencies and so on, and, and just have them talk to each other. Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at click.de slash datastories. That's qlik.de slash datastories. Hey guys, this is Data Stories special edition from the Tapestry, the Tapestry conference. And I'm here with Robert Cosaro. Hey, Robert. <laughs> hey, Enrico. How's it going? I'm doing very well, thank you. So we are in a beautiful location. <laughs> yes. Uh, some, somewhere near Denver. It's called Hestes Park. And we are in a historic hotel with uh, lots of interesting <laughs> artifacts. <laughs> Yeah, this is the the Stanley Hotel that is the that was the inspiration for the book by Stephen King. That's uh, the book, The Shining, and uh, it's it, they do a lot of like things here about how it's haunted and you can do like the ghost <laughs> tour and stuff like that, which is a bit much. But it's a very beautiful hotel and it's clearly a very hist historical place and and very nice. Yeah. Beautiful mountains around. It's beautiful outside and an amazing, yeah. amazing, uh, amazing place here. So you guys always find. Very nice locations for for tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try. <laughs> that, that's why I really wanted to come back. It's like an, an amazing event, and uh, of course, it's not just the location. Amazing talks, people with very different kind of backgrounds, and um, so Robert, why don't you introduce tapestry for those listeners who don't know what tapestry is? Sure. Um, you've been organizing it for for a number of years already. Um, so what is Tapestry? <laughs> right. So Tapestry is a conference about data storytelling. And the it, it this was the, the fourth year now. We, we did the first one uh, four years ago in uh, Nashville in a beautiful uh, hotel there. That was the former Union Station in Nashville. And the idea was to to bring together people who are interested in, in, in data storytelling. So people from journalism, people from academia, Uh, designers, NGOs, people from government agencies and so on. And, and just have them talk to each other and, and also bring them together between the different fields. Because, you know, a lot of people in different academic areas don't talk to even other academics and they don't talk to the practitioners. And so we, we wanted to build that bridge. And that's worked out really well. And so there are three people organizing it. It's Ellie Fields uh, and Ben Jones and me. And we're always looking for an interesting mix. So we usually look for an academic. So we have these, this, this format, which is three keynotes. Mm -hmm. And we always look for one keynote being a journalist, one keynote being an academic. And then the third one is kind of unusual. <laughs> and so we always look for somebody who's, who's kind of unexpected. Yeah. And so we had people like, uh, Scott McCloud for the first one. And, uh, and this year, Nick Sosan is a bit of a comic theme that we've had yeah. in the past. And, and this year, which I think worked out really well. And also, um, uh, and a few other people who were just, just kind of not, not kind of from the core area of either journalism or, or kind of the visualization area. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that's, that's what I really like of this conference. I came to the first one four, four years ago, right? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I wanted to come back this year. I, I really wanted to treat myself. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think the format is working extremely well, especially because, as you said, there are people with very kind of diverse backgrounds. And I love it because it's very inspiring and in a way mind bending, right? <laughs> um, I love it. So let's talk about this edition of Tapestry. So mm -hmm. what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, as as before, the the format was very similar to the, the previous years. We changed a few small things, like we had more of the short stories. So we have the the keynotes, which are those hour long talks or like forty five minute talks plus discussion. But then we had more short stories this year than in the past. We had six this year. We had four or five in the last in a few in, in the previous years, and um and then we also do these receptions. So we have a reception the night before, which is a very good way of just breaking the ice and getting people to, to, to get to know each other a bit. And then on the day of the conference, they're already, they've already talked to each other. And then uh, there's a lot more communication going on, which I think is really the key yeah. thing that's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shall we talk about the keynotes first? Sure. Okay. So, okay. So, um, so we had the three keynotes. There was uh, our journalism keynote this year was Scott Klein of ProPublica. And uh, he's, so he's leading, he's the, a system managing editor. I think I, I may have gotten this title a little bit wrong, but he's a really interesting guy because he's he's building all these really inter interesting news apps at at ProPublica with his team there. But he's also a history nerd, and he's really interested in the the history of visual journalism of and and in particular data visual data journalism. And he he gave this amazing talk about the uh, the history of how people were already doing data journalism. In the ninth, before even the 19th century, uh, very early on, journalism was numbers. There were like the shipping news and things like that. And of course, election results and things like that. And it was really fascinating to see all that. And he had some really good examples also from people like William Playfair, which is this kind of classic who, who yeah. invented many of the like bar charts and line charts that we use today. Who, and he had this great quote where basically he said that, um, tables, which are, of course, how they used to show data are quickly for forgotten, but the uh, showing a graphic means that you actually remember what you saw. Yeah. Which is a really interesting way of, of showing it, of talking about it, because that's really what you want to do many times in journalism. Uh, and he also talked about how they used to have these descriptions of how to read the charts. Today, for the most part, those are graphical annotations, or they just assume that you know how to read like a line chart. But in 1849 or whenever this was, you couldn't assume that. And so they actually explained very precisely how one inch of vertical distance means this, and then yeah. one inch of this distance means this much time, and how the, the slope change means that. And so it was actually a pretty precise description of how to read a line chart in that particular case. Yeah. So it was really, it was really fascinating to see that. Um, yeah. And I think you mentioned also that at the beginning, these charts were not very well received or they received a lot of criticism because they were not sufficiently quote unquote scientific. Right. Yeah. Well, right. in Playfair got a lot of, <laughs> of pushback from, so Playfair was this kind of singular existence there he he did all his work but the people around him thought it was just it was just nonsense it was not really useful yeah. um but and he was only re re uh discovered later on i think that that was really interesting yeah, yeah this is what i like one of the things that scott said is that it is possible in principle that the same way william playfair was criticized heavily criticized back then and then now it's 
standard practice to use all the charts that he invented, it mm. is possible that today there are people that are highly criticized and they are developing new ways of, of communicating information that will be accepted in the future. So I, I found this very inspiring. Yeah, I know. It's, it's an argument, of course, for pushing the envelope and really yeah. trying new things, especially yeah. in data journalism. I think that's really, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. important. Yeah. And I think another thing I liked is that um, it was kind of like saying, uh, we didn't invent <laughs> data journalism. It's been there forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nate oh, yeah. Silver didn't invent it. I didn't invent it. <laughs> so it's been there forever. <laughs> that, 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 that was a good message as well. Yeah. Somebody apparently <laughs> said that Nate Silver had invented it. I forget where the quote was coming from, but, yeah. uh, yeah, that was, that was silly because of course it's been around for much longer than yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, Next one? Right, next one. The second keynote was Jessica Hallman, who's a professor at the University of Washington. And she basically gave, gave two different talks. She talked about her work on making data relatable. So she, she, she finds ways of measuring things in terms of real objects. Like she has this example of a given weight is this many microphones, for example, because she found that, uh, I don't know, a certain handheld microphone has this weight. And so you can kind of relate to that if you've, if you ever held a microphone or, or other things like that. And also distances. And, and she also tries to make that personal. So, if it knows that you live in New York or you live in Seattle, it's going to pick out different different landmarks and different distances depending on where you are. So it, it can actually be stuff that you can relate to because if, if you if you express these things in terms of I don't know, distances in, in New York, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's going to mean something to you, <laughs> but it's it's totally useless to me. Yeah. Um, and the other part was about her work on data data sequence. Oh, sorry, story sequence. So the uh, how do you how do you put facts and and and, and graphical representations into a sequence to make a story. Yeah. And that was, uh, the, she's done some really interesting work and there's some ongoing work that I'm doing with her that, um, that she also touched on a little bit that, that I think is really interesting and that hopefully will, will lead us to, to learn more about how sequence works and how we can perhaps even find ways to, to structure stories or to structure visualizations automatically into stories. But that's still a long way off. But yeah. at least yeah. th that's kind of a, a goal. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say I found I find her her work really fascinating at the intersection of cognitive psychology and computer science, and she's kind of like in some cases trying to, um, I don't know, make some cognitive kind of like studying humans in a way that you can then uh, learn something and transfer um, and create a computational model that in mm. a way captures some some. Uh, cognitive processes, right? Mm -hmm. And I, and I found this intersection extremely fascinating. And, um, and I also think that I'm really glad that you guys uh, are working on, on narrative structure because I think this is totally neglected. And, uh, so for instance, I would love to teach in my course, um, guidelines on how to put a certain number of charts together, mm -hmm. but there's, there's no guideline, right? So I, I, I mean, you have five charts and you want to arrange them. In a, in a one page to, to, to tell a story. Uh, how do you do that? So, right. So is there a right way of doing that? <laughs> uh, are there mistakes that you should try to avoid? I'm, I'm pretty sure there are, but I, I don't know of any uh, material out there that is some 
good guidance for that. Well, there is there is this one paper that Jessica wrote a few years ago that talks about this a little bit, and it gives you, it doesn't give you one right way, yeah. but it gives you an idea of what, of what she calls transition cost, and that is actually a, a good way of thinking about that, and that and, and looking at so what what are transitions that you look at that that you have in a particular sequence, and then what which ones are you know lower or higher cost that that at least gives you a guideline. So yeah. there is I don't think there is or will ever be one single perfect answer, but yeah. but it, there certainly can be can be useful guidelines and and and. That can be helped. We can, we could, we could recommend saying, here are five ideas for sequences that, that we've, that, that given the model, they look like good ideas. And then, and then you, you would pick from those. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Let's talk about the third and last keynote. The final one. Yes. The that was one. really good. So Nick Sosani's, I mean, they were all good. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, Nick did a, a great, so Nick Sosani's is, uh, it's kind of hard to describe what he actually is. So he's he's a <laughs> postdoc now in uh, University of Calgary, and he got his PhD uh, last year, I think, even just it seems like so long ago. Yeah. But uh, at at Columbia with a comic, and he turned this into a book that that you can buy, which which everybody should buy because it's really good. It's called Unflattening, yep. and it's it's a comic. It's an extremely well done comic that basically argues that we need to to break out of our way of thinking and and we need to explore more more things more ideas and more and broader ideas and and he gave this this amazing really inspiring talk and then which was actually kind of short because he wanted to then do a drawing exercise and i was unsure whether that would work but it was really amazingly uh, effective so he asked people to draw a comic so he draw, talked a bit about the structure of a page and then he said, well, now draw a day, pick a day, either like yesterday or, or some particular day you want to you talk about and then draw an abstract comic. So just draw shapes, don't draw things. And everybody got, it got really quiet. Everybody was drawing. It was really amazing. And, and <laughs> yeah, everyone he, was afraid. Of <laughs> yeah, but a lot less than I thought people would be. Like everybody was drawing. It's not like people <laughs> yeah. were saying, no, I can't draw. Yeah. But they actually did it. But I, I have to say, I, I actually did the, the exercise. And before starting, I was like, oh no, my God, I, I'm terrible at drawing. <laughs> don't, don't make me do that. But, right, but I, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I right, absolutely exactly, loved right? it. Yeah. And then he asked people to share that. And that, that's kind yeah. of scary because now you just you think <laughs> yeah. for yourself. And then now you have to share that. And people did that. They got really into it. And he, he had some trouble stopping them saying, okay, <laughs> enough. We, we, we gotta wrap up here. Um, and that is what everybody, I think everybody really enjoyed that. And that, that, I, I would have been a bit scared of doing that because you never know if people are going to think, you know, you're forcing them to do something that they want, don't want to do. Yeah. But everybody seemed to enjoy it. It was really great. Um, so I, I think that was, that was a great talk. And, and he has a lot of good ideas about how, how to think graphically or how to think with comics and how there's kind of a, um, a dialogue between you and the page as you're drawing. And that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, certainly, even though I, I can't draw at all. But I think that that whole idea of thinking in, in images is, is just yeah. a really a really good one yeah there are a couple of things that i really really loved from his talk i think there was one section where he was talking about the fact that with comics um you can have both at the same time you can have um sequence right but also a part of the image that conveys a whole right so this whole idea of being able and it was kind of like thinking about also how the brain works that we can be very analytical, but at the same time also holistic, mm -hmm. right? And that comics have a way, it's a art form that allows you to do 
both things at the same time. And this is something that I really, really loved. He gave a couple of examples that were really, really, really good. Um, you, you wanted to oh, say I was, something? I wasn't was sure if I wanted to talk about this more, but uh, yeah, he had some examples of like how, how page layout works. So for people yeah. who aren't all that familiar with comics, there are, there are some amazing examples of how there's kind of an over, if you look at the page at first, there's kind of an overall image you see, but then you look at the frames or, or whatever the parts are and they can be scattered around. And it's not like that they don't necessarily have to be in this grid layout, but it can be in very different ways. And then uh, you can break out of the frames and you can do things that go across the frames to make a larger image where the whole, even though there are frames, taking the, the frames, like kind of looking through them, there's a bigger picture. And yeah. so there are these, these levels of reading that can be really amazing. Yeah. So there's a lot of, 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 of uh, richness in these, in these comics that are just, that can be incredibly um yeah, uh, very fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the second thing I wanted to mention that I really liked, I think he said something along the lines of, so actually he presented many of his own drawings and sketches that he does, he makes um, to to create ideas for comics, right? And And he was kind of like talking about the fact that when you draw something, when you sketch ideas, um you come up with new ideas just because now you, you can see it in front of you. And I think he said something that I found really interesting, something along the lines of, um, uh, I'm trying to recall the, the, the exact sentence, but it's something like, um, when you draw an idea, a sketch of an idea, it's not a representation of the idea. It's the idea. Mm. <laughs> and I found this really, really interesting. And he was giving examples of how by drawing things, now he has a new idea. Right. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know. It totally relates to some of my own experiences. Um, yeah. I found it fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was, he, he had to think about how his comics are smarter than he is because <laughs> yeah. he, in the process, he, he works through things and he gets new ideas and, and it just kind of did the, the, the act of drawing and seeing what he's drawn just pushes him to, to have another idea and then kind of move further. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's a really interesting, interesting thought. Yeah. 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 I, I personally really, really enjoyed it. And that was, um, yeah, it blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at www.click.de slash datastories. So for all quantified selfers out there, a senior member of Click's demo team, Michael Anthony, has published a very nice report called 2015 My Life in Data, where it tracks life events in a beautiful dashboard made with Click, including miles run, coffees consumed, commuting mileage, food eaten, and much, much more. It's really fascinating. You can find the report by following the link in our blog post, and I strongly suggest you to take a look to see what kind of visualization you can build with Click. And of course, if you are a quantified selfer yourself, you may want to build similar dashboards with Click. So I strongly suggest you to take a look. And now, back to the show. Okay. Shall we talk a little bit about the short talks as yes. well? Yes. So there are also there are six there were six short talks this year, short stories as we call them. Um, and I don't know. I think we want to talk about all of them because it's kind of a long list. Yeah. And maybe just pick out a few. Uh, you know, they were all really good, and I'm I'm really happy with how the the program came together. It's always 
always kind of scary when you're like, okay, does <laughs> yeah. this actually fit? Does this all make sense? But in the end, uh, it really gelled. I'm, I'm really happy with how it worked out. So I don't know, I'm just going to pick one or yeah, two. Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, so one, one, so one, one I really liked, uh, was Kathleen Madden, who, uh, does sketch noting. So yep. she did that last year. Uh, she drew, she drew sketches of the talks as, as an attendee. And so we invited her this year to, to talk about what she does. And, and she also did it again this year. She did these amazing sketch notes of the talks and they're, they're just beautiful. And they're a really interesting summary of what people talked about yeah. in, in this graphical form that, that I just find really, really fascinating. And she had some really interesting things to say about how you can use drawing as the verb. So she focuses on the, on the, on the process to, to kind of map your mind and, and add depth to your thinking. And I think that that really, that really resonated with a lot of people. And it was a very interesting combination with what Nick Sasani has talked about, because he also talked about how, how the drawing kind of makes you think differently. Mm -hmm. And then another one. So, um, again, just looking through my notes here, uh, there's the Alan Smith of the Financial Times did a, a really good uh, talk on what he calls the competent critic. So this was a t very different topic. Um, uh, but the what what he was talking about is how he wants his colleagues in the Financial Times newsroom to to look at graphics and to look at reports and then ask questions and say, well, so how can we make this better? And so he had this example of a UNESCO report, I think, that that showed some data in in very straightforward kind of graphs, bar charts and stuff like that. And then he started reworking them, and it was really fascinating because he had some really good questions to ask. Like there was one on gender equality or gender differences uh, in access to education in different countries. And then he said, well, here's the raw data, which is what this bar chart shows us. Now, what do we actually want to know? And so there was the difference from 50% or from, from, from the, from, from zero, because it was about whether girls or boys were, were mm -hmm. more disadvantaged. And then he added a few more things. Like there was a certain range of values that is kind of the, the goal for, for UNESCO. And then which are the, the, the ones that are inside or outside and, and just really showing what, what the differences really mean as differences. And so it's, it's in the end, it was a very straightforward kind of transformation, but it turned a very boring and kind of difficult to understand bar chart into something that, that clearly tells you something where you can mm -hmm. easily point to the things that are really the, the ones that stand out that are important. And that, that I thought that that whole approach is just a really good one. And I think just criticism in general, I mean, critical thinking is just a very useful and important concept. Um, and I don't know, that's maybe, and then you gave a talk <laughs> and I, you had a really good introduction where you said uh, that people might recognize your voice even though they haven't seen you. <laughs> and so it will be kind of spooky because suddenly there is an actual person connected to the voice. Um, yeah. But, uh, and you talked about this interesting uh, tool that you, that you built on um, uh, exploring reviews on Yelp yeah. to, and then you have actual, actual uh, journalists working with that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's a personal big success story knowing that there is at least one journalist out there that published um, a real article <laughs> um, um, presenting data that he discovered through our tool. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's, I find this thing extremely important. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really important to, for academic work to actually make, have a, a real world impact and connection. Yeah. So this is really cool. I really like that. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that was in the end, the main message of my talk. I mean, the, the real core thing I was trying to use this example to say, Hey, we need, we need to work on real problems and we need to talk and work with these people, right? If you don't, if you just don't reach out and try to find a way to work with journalists or other type of domain experts, 
um, yeah, you would never succeed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And this, uh, you, you perfectly embodied the, the idea. We're trying to make those connections, and I hope a lot more people who were in the audience will will, will reach out to you. And I don't know how many people, many people talked to you, but they would actually then also try using your uh, your review explorer. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and other tools that you're building. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have to say it's pretty spooky to have people coming to you and say, "Oh, I I know your voice." <laughs> <laughs> But this happens to me and Moritz all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else? I'll, I'll just pick one more because I, yeah. that's another one. So it's, it's hard. It, again, it's difficult to pick them. But Eva Galanis Rosenbaum had an interesting talk about how she calls this the plural of anecdote is not data, which is a, you know, a common thing people say. But then she said, yeah, that's true. But what if you have data that you're not sure about, that you don't trust entirely or that you don't know about? And so she had some really interesting ideas about using proxies or using other things, using anecdotes even, to to corroborate your data and to see if you believe what, what the data tells you, especially when you look at things like polling results, where, you, where you, the polls can be all over the place, depending on who does them and, and what the population is that is happening from and so on. And so to to try and, and, and figure out which of those results are more reliable or which ones you, you believe more, uh, that can or even forecasting a little bit into the future um, can, can be... Uh, a way to just kind of add a little bit of, of richness to the data. And so I thought that was a very good point because we, we don't, it's, the data is obviously what we want to focus on, but there are other things that can help us add to that. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a really good, good set of talks. Uh, if I may say so myself, <laughs> I'm obviously involved in picking them, but yeah, I think it, it worked out pretty well. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, as I said at the beginning, that's, that's a great, great event. And actually, Thank you for organizing it. I'm sure it's quite a lot of work behind the curtains. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Uh, but it's, it's really, really valuable. And if you're listening to this and you want to get exposed to more people and more ideas about visualization, data visualization, storytelling, or anything related to that, I highly, highly recommend to come to Tapestry. So maybe you can briefly describe how people can participate. Yes, yeah, so we have a website, tapestryconference.com. It's one, one word, tapestryconference.com. And, uh, the, the way it works is that we ask you to submit an application. So we, we, we pick our attendees. It's, it's called invite only, which means that you apply and we then, we then send you an invite. But what we were trying to do is we're trying to, to balance the, the people from different areas. So we want to have a reasonable rep representation from journalism, from academia, from nonprofits. And so we're trying to just not be, so, so Tableau software is organizing the conference, but we're trying to not be another little Tableau conference, <laughs> but really be a very different place. And so we're, we're trying to really focus on, on the people who are really doing storytelling or who are, or are really interested in storytelling. So the, the website right now is still talking about this year's conference. It's kind of sure. out of date. Yeah. The next one will be hopefully, uh, the website will be up in a few months in, in June or July is usually the time frame. And we'll, we'll tell people there's a web, there's also a Twitter account that you can follow, Tapestry Conf, I think is what it's called, but it's linked from the website. Um, and we'll, we'll announce things there. And also I'm certainly going to make announcements on Twitter and probably on my blog as well so that people know about it. And then we'll, 
we tend to announce the keynotes first and then over time add the, the short stories. We also ask people now to apply for short stories. So if when you apply to attend, you can also say, I want to present and then give us a short proposal for a short story. And then we, we pick from those. And that actually worked out really well this mm-hmm. year. So we did this the first time this year and, and we picked, I think most of our short stories this year from the, from the proposals. We picked only two, um, separately. So that, that worked out really well. Okay. And, um, you can also propose demos. Yes. Like oh, yeah. That? We forgot about the demo show. Yeah. <laughs> so in the afternoon, we have a session of demos and uh, so we have people talk about different things and showing different things. And we also have posters. Yeah. Uh, we only had a small number this year and I'm, I'm going to try and make this a bit more formal and a bit more academic so we can maybe get more students to show their, oh, their yeah. work. Yeah. Sure. But, um, so far the posters have a bit, have been a bit neglected, but, the, but they're a good, uh, an important part of it though because they they also spark conversations and and sure. and show people's work which i think is is really what we what we're trying to do so are the um, uh talks from this year recorded yes okay. so all the talks are recorded also from the previous years we we redesigned our website recent recently meaning a few months ago yeah but um we lost the archive page. We're going to have to recreate that. But the, we have a YouTube channel where they are, and we're going to put the archive page back. And in, I would say, in about a month, probably, like sometime in April, we'll have the videos up uh, for for this year. And so all the talks will be up there, and you can watch them. There's also a live stream, and we had a good number. I don't know the exact number, but we had several times the number of people in the room actually on the live stream. So that was that was pretty nice as well. That's great. Well, thanks a lot, Robert, for coming on the show again and to talk about this lovely event. I hope I'll be able to participate again in future years. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, we have a request. If you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. I also want to give you some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We are, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash datastories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, And we now also have a newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox, go to our homepage, datastory.es, and look for the link that you find on the right. One last thing I want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest way to improve the show, amazing people you want us to invite, or projects you want us to talk about. So do get in touch with us. That's all for now. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Data Stories. Data Stories is brought to you by Click, who allows you to explore the hidden relationships within your data that lead to meaningful insights. Let your instincts lead the way to create personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards with ClickSense, which you can download for free at www.click.de/datastories.